Thanks for tuning in, guys. You're listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg Driver. I'm joined by Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. Let's go! Welcome and Merry Christmas. It is Ace Comicals episode number 78 and I'm back. I think Ray said that I was making adult decisions last time. If you consider adult decisions which side of the room to put your SNES games on, then that's adult decisions. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> You're a man now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's stressful. Like you need to know, like it's a, it's a, you got a new place, you need to know where your stuff is. You can't just well, put yeah, it willy-nilly. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, when, I, when I did bought, you decide to pull your SNES games? Um, there's a shelf kind of like on my right hand side. A shelf, um, la dee da. Yeah, right. yeah, an actual shelf. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Wow. Not just a pile of bricks with like wooden planks in between them. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Other adult decisions I've made was hmm. the decision to um, buy less physical comics. What? Okay. Yeah. Now that's not me cutting down on comics because comics are my life force it's like i need comics like like galactus needs planets but like <laughs> don't tell me you've been eating these comics no 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 <laughs> what i've what i've decided is that i've got like I, i'm amassing this collection and i think i need to focus it a little bit because i'm going to run out of space very quickly hmm. and also moving house kind of highlighted to me like how many comics i actually have at the minute you do have a shitload so yeah so I, i'm gonna start like Basically, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm still gonna have my pull list. I'm still going to my LCS and everything. It kind of breaks my heart a little bit that I can't buy every comic I want physical. But hmm. it's space is finite. The planet is finite. Um, yeah, save the trees. Less paper. Yeah, yeah. And you know, digital's not so bad. I bought myself a nice new tablet for the occasion. So I got an Amazon Fire Ten, which is actually really good for reading comics. Yeah, what you're using yeah. to read through. Uh, Comicsology, just okay. the Comicsology reader. I find that works fine enough for me. I don't need anything special, uh, as long as I can see the whole page of the comic and I can appreciate it the same way I can when it's in paper. Then that's fine. And the nice 1080p screen makes mm. that perfectly possible. And it's just, yeah, it, it's great. I mean, I, I had misgivings about digital comics before, but I think that's because I was reading through like a little 7.5 inch Asus tablet. Yeah, I mean, clearly, the bigger the better. Like, yeah. um, I went into an Apple store um, in one of my low moments a couple of weeks ago, and I was checking out like the the twelve inch or whatever twelve inch odd size oh, iPad. Mine, I think it is. Yeah, it's mad. It's massive and it's beautiful. And I that's my my dream um, comic reading device because it, like it's bigger than a regular sized comic page, and like I get I. Just imagine all the detail that you could get from like holding that relatively light device on your lap and being able to read it through that would be. Uh, I hope you like join a gym uh, to help you in your sustained periods of holding up with your forearms. (laughs) That thing is a beast. It's the only reason I go to the gym. It's the only reason I train. All all those pull ups are just for that. This, uh, the the case that I've got is actually like a stand as well. So Mm. I can stand it in front of me and just sit and read it and not have to touch it, which is nice. (laughs) <laughs> but <clears throat> and yeah the comicsology reader is actually yeah. really good like it's smooth and it does the the panel to panel transition stuff really well like i've yeah. always wondered how they do it i wonder if it's authored if like the um the creators of the comic have to provide a 
uh, like a, a framing for each individual panel or if it's done through machine learning or something. I've always been curious about that. I don't know, but it's it's kind of nice to zoom in on particular panels and to be able to just appreciate each individual panel. I don't like reading panel by panel. Mm. I don't like using that for reading because I think that detracts from the experience of reading the comic and seeing the entire page in front of you. Mm. But I I don't mind having um, the panel by panel because I like to sort of zoom in and appreciate particular panels. And I think that works very well for me in that sometimes I like to just linger on one thing and be like, that is a cool panel. Like, um, I mean, these were in physical media, but some of the stuff that I was taking photographs and sharing with you guys today, like some like pure Alfred singers, zingers, singers, zingers from the Batman's grave, mm. um, Alfred making Coke jokes and uh... <laughs> saucy. <laughs> yeah. And, and talking about how the fact that Batman exists is the only reason that Commissioner Gordon can go for a shit in peace, basically, uh, which I, I, you know. Why? Why that, is that was what was sustaining me today? <laughs> why is he wiling out like that? Like, what's <laughs> going on with, with our dude? Like, he's... I don't know. This is like the best version of Alfred ever. This is like there's there's in 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 the Batman's grave in like issue one. Alfred drinks a whole bottle of whiskey. Like Alfred sits at home listening to classical music on vinyl, drinking whiskey. I assume that to be honest. Hmm. But, like, you know, it's just awesome. Like, Alfred with a hangover the next day as well. Oh, I didn't assume like, that. I thought he was too yeah. professional for hangovers. No, no, no. He had a hangover. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just like, awesome seeing this. This this is, like, the best version of Alfred, as far as I'm concerned. This is, this is my favourite Alfred. So, yeah, I mean, and uh, speaking of which, so the order of today's business, because this is going to be the last show we're going to do this year, is that because it's basically Christmas, we're into we're well into December now, and uh, this is this is like the wind down. So this is going to be our last show of the year. So this is where we say Merry Christmas to you all, and this is where what we've done is we've picked a few comics from over the year. We've got five each, but me and Ray have broken the rules. <laughs> uh, <Rebels>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what we're doing is um, rules are there to be broken, but what we're doing is we're uh, we're deciding among us um we're going well basically we're going to get we're going to come out with our list and we're going to decide among us what is the ace comicals comic of 2019 so we've each each put together a list of what should be our five favorites in some cases seven <laughs> and that's that's how we and then uh, we're going to debate these so that's that's the order of today's business the true before. mission impossible yeah, we ain't never going to agree on anything. It's not going to. I know we're not. We're not because we've all. <laughs> this, is, this is the whole point of me doing it. Is it? I. It's like sabotage from the start because I know we've all got such varied taste, and we always all pick fairly different things. I mean, we all vibe on similar things. There's, there's, there's comics that I can see crossover already between these lists, and we do vibe on similar things, and we vibe on similar stories and things like that. But at the same time, our particular tastes are very different where comics are concerned like i i yeah i can actually see just looking at the list i can completely see that so it's, so you just want to end the year with us fighting that's what you want right <laughs> well that's what christmas is right <laughs> that's true <laughs> we're, a, we're a family now greg like we have to have a, a big blowout before the end of the year exactly cool i'm down so, yeah Let's um it. it's uh I, I, well i moved house it's the end of the year we've had just before we get onto the list, we've had a hundred issues of t- uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles now. One zero zero. So issue one hundred dropped, and 
boy, what a 100th issue that was. It was incredible and beautiful. And I cannot wait for issue 101 with a new writer, new team. So issue 101 is going to be Sophie Campbell. Um, and it's uh, written and drawn by Sophie Campbell. And it's an inciting new era for the TMNT and a perfect jumping on point. There are now five mutant turtles with the addition of Jenica wearing yellow. And yeah, it's just, um, it's going to be a great, a great jumping on point and a great, a great way to just like sort of carry on the legacy and whatever. And with, with turtles making a hundred issues as well, like some of the, the other stuff that's come out of this, because we have, um, the the toys that made us have you guys ever seen that documentary on netflix no i haven't yet but i've been meaning to check it out yeah so um i've watched i've dipped in and out of it i watched particular episodes um like mainly nostalgia driven so i've just been like i'll watch the transformers one i'll watch the turtles one i'll watch the but like the um the turtles one uh which is in the latest season um at the end of that it this and this like gave me the fuzzies this was so good to see but um, as some of you comics fans may know, um, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird haven't always been the, well, they started off the best of friends and then they weren't the best of friends and they haven't talked for years or got, they haven't really gotten on for years at all. Haven't really even been in the same room for years, to be honest, or talked for years, like I say, and this, they brought them together at the end of the, uh, of this uh the the turtles documentary for the toys that made us they brought eastman and laird back together and it was just nice to nice to see and and nice to see them back together and and like you know to see that happen and to have that happen was just great to have like the two halves of like the the two parents of the turtles back together like reuniting squashed is always nice yes and um they that that made me feel nice inside to see that and it was you know a bit with turtles to tnt 100 as well it's like everything's coming to a i don't want to say a close because it's not a close but it's like everything's coming to a point and it's nice to have everything back together in one it's, it's like everything's like converging even in the story everything's converging everything's coming round. things are cyclical things are ah uh, but yeah it's great and um these two back together means we're getting a project out of them. So in summer 2020, these two are going to be working together once more. In the summer of 2020, they're going to be working on a project called The Last Ronin, which is an, a TMNT comic, Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. So they are going to be working on that together, which is, is going to be really nice to see those two working together once again um and i'm i'm all in for that so it's it's been exciting year for for tmnt and it's exciting year for tmnt next year as well um and it's just been a big year for comics in general i think really hasn't it guys like do do you feel that i feel like um maybe it's because uh we've been doing the podcast for a couple of years now and like i've maybe i'm less on top of the news these uh like lately but i felt like i've had to go hunting for the big things but then also i've pulled away from the marvel dc stuff this year so tell me what 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 is it that you like found exciting years of batman because they hit uh, a thousand Um, issues now is that right comics a thousand eight years of marvel comics Mm -hmm. we lost stan lee this year Mm -hmm. 
Was it this year or last year? It was this year. It was last year. Was it? Dick Kerr's no. was last year. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, of course, because it was all the tributes were happening Gosh. at the tail end of uh, 2018 because in um, uh, Into the Spider-Verse, they had the... God, this wow. year has felt like forever. last year. <laughs> mm. That feels so so new still. <laughs> yeah. It wow. does, isn't it? <laughs> no. But, yeah, I mean, mm. yeah, so at the the twilight of last year, beginning of this year, we were mourning Stanley. And uh, it's just, I just feel like it's, it is in, in, in many ways, in the ways I've just mentioned, it has been, you know, there's been some big, big things happening in comics, a hundred issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all the Marvel stuff, Batman 1000, uh, well, Detective Comics 1000 and 80 years of Batman. So it's been, it's been pretty big. I think I was just, I was talking about this on one of the other shows where I was saying like, 80 years of Marvel comics. I'm I'm going to be alive to see 100 years of Marvel and 100 years of Batman. And that's that's huge because that's 20 years time. I'm I that's going to happen within yeah. my lifetime. How will that Strange. make you feel? Because like it, it's 100 years of something that I consider quite I mean I know it's not recent but I consider them I can I consider these things quite um quite recent in in the the public consciousness and things like that and it's not it's not like something that's how do I describe this so when I think of 100 years I think of world war 1 right stuff stuff from around then yeah well that's accurate, accurate. yeah but, but what i mean is you, you understand what i mean so so think so when when that gets to 100 and i start thinking of marvel being around for 100 years or or batman having existed for 100 years like a a pop culture construct like that being 100 years old there isn't a an urban myth or or, or something that's passed down in oral tradition it is a pop culture construct that is printed in magazines. It's something entirely new for hmm. something like that to be a hundred years old, right? Yeah, it's, it's odd as well because, like, cinema is like a few years, when I say a few, a few decades older than, uh, say, comics in their more popularist form from like the uh, the twenties onwards, and. It is, or especially from like the 30s, 40s onwards, but it, it, it doesn't even feel like they started near the same time. Like, I think one has been like the backbone to a lot of things, but has still remained in its sort of box at various times and instead has uh, gone out to birth things in other mediums and, and gone to be successful, whereas like cinema seem to grow and grow and grow and grow yeah i just i don't know it, it's just the, the the idea for me is just like it's like uncharted territory i guess isn't it strange like thinking about uh print media in general because my first thought when you mentioned 100 years is like sherlock holmes who's been around since the, i think sherlock holmes came out in the 1880s yeah. 1890s so like only really um like 30 years ahead of comic books and they feel yeah. worlds apart you know what i mean 
like it's just interesting to think of like the the, the, the shift in the concept like, of the superhero the superhero construct being 100 years old but like mm. they don't i mean well yes they are making sherlock holmes stories but they make them in a different way now they are still making sherlock holmes stories i was going to say they don't they don't write them anymore but they do they make them in a different yeah they just make them in a different yeah, way <laughs> Um, but but also with Sherlock Holmes, it's something interesting where it fell into the public domain, mm. uh, allowing many different people to do the do their own thing with uh, mm. the, that character and, and those different stories. Whereas, uh, if we're talking, say, comics in terms of like the industry and like the big two, uh, copyright law and all that has prevented that yeah. to quite a big degree massively and it, and and i can imagine like in a hundred years time these things are uh, you know there's dc and marvel are still going to be there in a hundred years probably like running the earth <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is like super scary but it, it not to get on a tangent with that but just imagine how interesting it would be if, like, Batman, Superman, and all that fell into the public domain. Yeah, that would that would be pretty crazy. Like the amount of divergence you'd get, and the amount of different things you'd get, like following those concepts and everything else, it'd be it'd be pretty nuts. But yeah, tying tying it back. Um, so overall, you would say that your comic year has yeah, been yeah, I'd quite say so, yeah, fresh. massively. Um, I've discovered a lot of things this year, comics wise. I've, um, I've gone and read things I wouldn't ordinarily, you know, read. I've like challenged myself a little bit, I think, with what I've been picking up and reading. I don't know. What about you guys? How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I would agree. I think what, as we, as we'll, uh, come to uh, later in the episode, my list is, in a way, me returning to my roots in a way, but taking a lot of left turns to get to get there and uh, digging into a lot of really cool, fresh and interesting yeah. stories. So, Ray, I mean, how about you? How do you feel like your year in comics, as in like not the year in comics, but as in your year in comics in general, like how do you feel about your choices and things like that? Well. So I've definitely pulled away from the big two. It looks like I've, because I was, I was going back through and uh, looking at the list of things that I've been reading week on week for the cast. And it seems like I've not read many from Marvel or DC, um, any of the, like, the, the monthly issues. And I've also not really been reading, uh, like, quote-unquote graphic novels as much this year, it seems. Um, I couldn't see many of, like, individual standalone books that I've read. What I have done, it seems, is I've picked up stuff that is deliberately short run. Um, I've been reading a lot of Vault stuff I've noticed this year, uh, which seems to have taken over the image stuff that I was reading in the year before. Um, So I guess uh, same but different, really. I've just um, tried to seek out slightly new and uh, different voices. I can't really find a pattern to what I've been doing, to be honest, (laughs) in that sort of way. It's just been like, I've bought (laughs) comics and I've bought comics I wouldn't normally buy. Just like I, I've discovered new things and I've I'm thankful for that and I've I've 
you know, like I, I actually, I've, I think I've dove a lot more into horror, like looking at my list as well. I think I've, yeah. And the thing is, we're we're spoiled for choice these days. Like, I think the 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 fact that we've all kind of diverged away from each other is um is telling because we we can all find our own yeah. thing in this. Well, space. I mean, this goes back to right, what we cool. were saying in the first episode of this ep- of this podcast, first episode we ever recorded. There's something for everyone where comics are concerned <laughs> and um, comics are for everyone. And I think these lists show that because we're three very different people. I think, well, we, 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 we like similar things. We, we enjoy the same kinds of things, but I think where our tastes are concerned for stories, we're quite different people. And I think these lists are going to show that and they're going to show that there are, that co- there is something for everyone in comics, I think. Um, so should we crack on and just go start uh, calling out our list and, and see what's made it onto the list? Yeah. So who Let's should we start it. with? Let's do it. I mean, I'm going to follow your lead here. Let's do this. Who should we start? Should we start with Ray? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, can do. Okay, fine. Uh, Liam, you seem <laughs> enthusiastic. Did you want to like dive into? Well, are we doing like one title at a time or just saying our whole list? Well, I was thinking we would like my 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 plan was that we were going to say, okay, my list is this, 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 and this, and then we will discuss that person's list, and we'll do it that way. Okay. Yep. Okay, if you want to. Um. Right. So. Hmm. Okay. So if I'm just like rattling off titles, I've got these Savage Shores. I've got Die. Um. I've got Resonant. Um. I've got Paradox Girl. Uh, and I've got Clue Candlestick. Those are the ones that I think are unique to my list. And then I've also written down everything in Crowded, which I know at least uh, one of those is on either one of your now, lists. This is what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode when I said five, but there's seven. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I've, that's how I'm going to get around I've, I've five, done it too. seven rules. So, so yeah. um, okay. So my list for my top comics of 2019, I've got The Plot, Everything. Assassin Nation, Count Crowley. Um, that's Count Crowley. We looked at Midnight Monster Hunter, um, The Batman's Grave, Basketful of Heads, and Murder Falcon. Now, Murder Falcon's cheating a little bit because that crosses over from 2018. Technically, it's not a 2019 comic, but the finale was in 2019, and the finale was amazing. So. Yeah, it's the same rules for me and these Savage Shores, where it started in 2018, but it ended in October 2019, I believe. So I'm I'm counting it as this year. Yeah, that's, that's completely fair, guys. Hmm. I think you guys having more than five is a cheat, but I think uh, <laughs> counting comics that came out this year is fully above board. <laughs> okay, so my list is compiled of things where I... Not only did I really enjoy them, but also they're a thing that I want to shed a bit more light on as well. And the two sort of work hand in hand, but then I've got things that I deliberately didn't put on my list, but they're on you guys' list. So when we get to talking about them, I also have stuff to input about. But of my main list, I have When I Arrive at the Castle, Crowded, I moved to Los Angeles to work in animation, Bottom Feeders, and Waves. Okay, so yeah. Sorry, can I just chime in? So what you're saying is, so what Leon was saying is, he's given his five unique, but he's he's um, making himself sound better than us because he's reserving the other 
ones that go over the five because we're going to talk about them and then you're just going to chime in. Add them to your list, coward. <laughs> but I can only fit five in my list. Those are the ones. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Pretending to play by the rules. That's even worse. Yeah, that was a surprise until now as well. They're not even on your. They're not even written down on your on your shared document. I came up with the rule of five, and then Ray like flaunted that completely. You, you broke your own own thing. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I didn't know there was a rule of five anyway. I just had seven. So. I was very clear in WhatsApp, and even it even says on the run sheet. So the idea <laughs> is we do our top five rundown from this year, right? <laughs> oh, it does say it says that in like bold as well. <laughs> yep. So I, I broke the rule because you broke the rule. If yes, mum. If Ray told me to jump into a fire, I would. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's good to know. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so that's everyone's lists. So where do we start with this? Let the Thunderdome commence. <laughs> I want to know what Leon's secret crossovers are now. So do you want to start with those? Okay. Um, part of the reason why these are secret crossovers is for some of them, I've only read like two or three issues, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, Die, uh, that would have been on my list, but I um, I haven't read all of it so far. But uh, Die, Ronin Island, uh, mm-hmm. really enjoyed that. Uh, House of X and Powers of X. Uh, everything. I've only read three issues of that, but everything. Um, and then, like, shout out to the issues that came out in 2019 for Bitterroot mm. and Blackbird that I read. See, I, I could have had mm. Hox and Pox on That's my fair. list as well. But um, I decided to omit those because I thought seven was too many. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, Die is one of my... Um, like, for the same reasons as you, Leon, I've only actually read, I think, five, maybe six of the of the 10 that are currently out, but I've enjoyed what I've read so far. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty invested in that story that I'm going to carry on. So it's, that's why a couple of mine. Currently there's only three issues of the Batman's grave and there's only four issues of everything in existence. So like just for an example, Mm. I mean, the plot is a fairly recent one as well. I think there's only, there's only three issues of that. So it's just, it's, Mm -hmm. I'm, I, you know, fairly recent things that I just, I like new and shiny stuff. I'm like a magpie. (laughs) Where I, yeah. I think I'm the opposite. I think I have a reverse recency bias that sometimes mm. hurts newer things. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't like to have the knee jerk and be like, oh, this thing I just read yeah. is the best thing ever. I, I need it to, to percolate and yeah. earn its place. So does anyone else have something on their list that speaks to the same thing I just described? So like Die, I've only read five, five of the ten, but it left enough of an impact that I'm going to carry on and I really... I really enjoy the art, I think, is the main thing. I'm so drawn to that artwork that it's almost it's almost irrelevant what the plot is, even though I really enjoy the narrative of this story. Th- there's th- there's a like an elemental yeah. thing that I'm grabbing onto with this story. D- yeah. It, yeah, what's on your I, list? That's like I think that? mine for that, that's not on my main list, uh, is Something is Killing the Children. I didn't put it on my list because I've only read two issues, but uh, I am... I want to catch up with that in the new year and keep keep going with it because there's something about that that I find so evocative and it just pulls me in that um, I'm cautiously um, 
optimistic. Yeah. About and it. I, I remember really, really enjoying that when I, cause that's something where I've only read two or three issues of it, but I remember really, really enjoying that when we talked about it. Um, I, I, and, uh, I, that's one that's dropped off my list. Um, and that's my own negligence that's caused that. So that's something where I need to pick that back up again because you just reminded me of how good it is. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I mean Assassination is one where I own every issue of it. I just haven't finished it yet. I think I was like two that I haven't read the last two, maybe. Um, hmm. And yeah, the others are all fairly recent, apart from Murder Falcon, which is complete, and I've read all of that. Because I really, really, really loved Murder Falcon. Um, but yeah, I mean, like... Yeah. So someone's going to go through their list, and then we, they get to yeah, like, so I'll, talk I'll about start, it. I'll start. I'll start. So I'll start in. with my list. Um, these are in no particular order, first of all. Um, they're all like... I don't have a number one, per se. These are just the, one, the, the ones I really liked from this year. Um, and I'll start with Assassin Nation, because I... I I mean, if you remember back to our previous review of this book, I I was really enthusiastic about this. I think, like, if you listen back to me talking about Assassination, if you look for the episode where we discuss Assassination, I think it's episode 58, um, I am like, it's like I've sunk, like, eight coffees before I came online to talk about it. That's how enthusiastic I was about this book. And because it is so bright and it's so... So it was just so much fun to read. It was just an absolute joy. Um, it it had this like real good comedy edge and just the whole world in the pages of this comic is just something that's just so far removed from the real world. This world populated purely by assassins that admire each other's work and have like mm. this kind of like ranking between them for like the contract killers and everything else. And they all know each other and it's just like a strange insular world that exists alongside our own, if you understand. Um, and it's just, it's just, it, it's strange to step into that and to be stood in the corner while these guys are kind of like schmoozing because that's, that's a portion of like a portion of the story takes place. Um, where they all meet up in kind of like a big hall and it's kind of like a party or whatever. Um, they've all been brought together by this one guy who's hired all of them. Um, and it's like, they're all schmoozing and discussing with each other and having a drink. And like, it's like you're stood in the corner or walking around the room on the outside of all these conversations and interactions, which is kind of cool. Um, and it's just, it, it just that, that moment there had it for me and also like some of the onomatopoeia in there in this book is absolutely fantastic i think i think we named the episode the particular episode where we talk about assassination i think was named after the onomatopoeia um it's tromed and scanners <laughs> yeah so scanners and, and getting scanners then getting tromed <laughs> uh <laughs> which like i was just like all for that kind i'm all for that kind of stuff that kind of like high level um high energy hyper stuff like yeah yeah because the way you described it in the episode 
it sounded like one of those books where, like, related to music, every note you're hearing is fully working for you. You love what the final piece is, but you also love all the yeah. individual notes that you're hearing or every individual instrument that's yeah, playing. Yeah, it's symphony. just a gorgeous, gorgeous comic, and it's just so satisfying to read. And it's, like, my, I mean, like, my reason for enjoying comics and things like that is because they take me out of reality for a while and the more they succeed in doing that and the more they are able to take me away from reality um the more i enjoy them so hmm. and the more they're able to kind of like engross me and and make me forget where i am sometimes is the better it is for me yeah do you find that reflected throughout Um, your whole yeah kind of yeah because the more the more i'm enthralled by what i'm reading and the more that it's able to grab me and immerse me in that world then the better i mean like some things are on that list naming no names the batman's grave are just there because it's (laughs) because i'm i'm the biggest batman fan here but like it's. I mean, mm. a lot of them are there because they they have they they get me thinking about something else, and that's like a bit of a theme. Like I can I can read them and then afterwards it will stick with me and I'll carry on thinking about it and and I will do that because um I don't want to use the word escapism. I'm trying not to use the word escapism, but yeah, that's that's kind of what <laughs> it is. It's yeah, because I mean, like I that's it help it helps me to have that like to, kind of thing you know yeah and do, when you say like uh when you try to not say escapism but um does that mean that the thing overall has to be fun or do other qualities um help with that uh i don't know say like phasing guess, out where yeah. you're just focusing it just being absorbed into this world so, so if something's like for you, like thought-provoking, or if it chimes with something that you've had an experience in, is that the same as it being just like a fun, wild, rocking time, or are there like different layers it to what you would say are your? So it doesn't necessarily have stories? to be fun. So I don't, I don't have to be laughing at it, or, or or find it. You know, it doesn't have to tickle my funny bone to kind of like stick with me like that and, and and work for me in that way the reason i didn't want to use escapism is because it's just kind of like we all read comics and we all watch films for escapism so me saying that i do this out of a need for escapism is just like saying i i drink water because you know i need water <laughs> but it, <laughs> it's it's that's why i didn't want to because it's different to escapism so because what what it is it's i i Okay, so I suffer a little bit with my mental health and um, comics kind of help me forget about that. So they fill my head with other stuff that keeps the bad stuff out, if that makes sense. And if it's something that sticks with me after I've read it and I can carry on thinking about it, then it keeps the bad stuff away for longer. And the more a book takes me completely away from the bad stuff, it doesn't have to be funny to do that. It just has to engage me in such a way and keep me interested. It's like like monster books that, that explain what the monster is and get me thinking about what this thing is that's causing this thing 
that kind of stuff kind of like gives me something to ruminate on gives me something else to ruminate on you know yeah so that's 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 where i'm going with this basically and that's what assassination did for me in spades because it gave me this this whole world of assassins to think about and i'm thinking like so so do they have christmas parties like how does this work you know like and and i'm all day i'm like thinking about different scenarios with these characters and it's like keeping me chuckling and stuff and that's that's the thing with that book and also the um the onomatopoeia upon reading tromid and scanner i started to try and come up with my own so i was sat there like um looking at my movie collection or looking at video games or looking at book titles and i'm like oh yeah you could use that to describe this kind of thing and you could use that to describe an act of violence that went this way and that kind of stuff and it's like yeah it it, more than escapism it is a distraction it is distract distract escapism yeah Yeah. Can I push back on the escapism thing? And I'm going to point to you here, Leon, because I don't actually have anything on my list which is like this, but it seems like on Leon's list, you've got more stuff that's a bit more instructional or autobiographical and not necessarily escapist fiction. Um, like, is there a reason this year that you've got more of that stuff on your list? And how do you feel about, like, escapist comics? Um, yeah, so this is where... This is probably one of the things where we're quite different in terms of our digest digestion of like comics and I guess some other media. And, and this is more so like me and Greg difference where sort of, I, I don't think I ever fade away into a thing. Like I get super engrossed in things and listeners of the pod know that I I'm into all types, different types of media, blah, blah, TV, film, games, whatever. And I do get absorbed into these things, but at the same time, um, like it, it's always I, I need something more than uh, like a roller coaster to occupy me for a certain amount of time. I like being like challenged or like forced to think a different way or exposed to something that I've not seen before or having to recalibrate how I think about a particular thing. And I, I, I do like, um, I mean, it's for me, it's always a plus when the art that I consume is is uh, the type of thing to allow me to experience all those different emotions or go through all those different, uh, I guess, motions. But at the same time, as enthralled me enough to carry me along the way so that at the end of it, I'm not like, oh, that that was a fairly cool, depressing thing, da da da, da. or or that was um that was that taught me X Y Z. But if it's more a case mm. of like, I have a sort of better understanding of like the uh, writers, artists, like outlook or what they're trying to say in this particular thing. Like, I think as I've gotten older and older, all the media that I consume uh, and more so consume and enjoy the most is the stuff that forces um, like emotional reactions from me. And that's why I'll still go to like the big MCU movies and have a good time with them. But none of them generally make my top 10 of the year at the end of the year. And Mm. um, 
with the things like on my list, they 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 all seem to be investigating some uh, like phenomena to do with like society now, whether they're in like the near future uh, or whether they are like introspective and and dealing with like certain types of trauma or whether they are like flights of fancy exploring sort of the the inner emotions and uh, inner ideals of like uh, characters through like metaphor all of them are in different degrees working to communicate something extra to me and as pretentious as that all sounds uh, like that's this type of stuff that I don't know revs my engines how about you Ray hmm well, like to follow on from that, I feel like we all three of us have diverged. Like I said, was saying earlier, we've all found different things this year. So, like this, um, like what Leon was saying about exposure to new modes of thinking, I don't think I've been seeking that out this year from comics, specifically from comics, because I think in other mediums I have gone looking for that slightly more instructional uh, storytelling. But I think compared to say last year or maybe the year before, I was deliberately seeking out like empathetic works, things that I could like, uh, I think in the opposite direction from you, Greg, where you are seeking out distractions from everyday life or distractions from your current modes of thought. I think last year I was seeking out stuff which would like corroborate that and maybe help me, um, I don't know, deal deal with it through connection or deal with um, deal with whatever I was going through by seeking out that same type of story or that same sort of, um, I don't know, whatever level of depression I was trying to deal with at the time. And I feel like this year I haven't needed that for whatever reason. Um, and I think I've just gone seeking out fun, uh, fun, short or like challenging stories. Cause I think for example, clue candlestick is like a puzzle. It's basically a puzzle book in comic book form. And that's what I, I feel like I wanted to engage with stuff in that way this year, stuff that I could like dive into, pick apart, like maybe deconstruct or, like read into the way that I used to read into stuff when I was in school or college and I was learning about the fundaments of storytelling and things like that. And I, I feel like that's where I've changed this year. Um, if I, cause I, I was talking about assassin nation. So if I move on to the next one on my list, uh, I had count hmm. Crowley, uh, count Crowley. Yeah. Count Which Crowley. Is very recent pick, midnight right? like Monster Hunter, but only... I feel like this embodies the spirit of, everything i love about autumn um you know with halloween and every halloween being my my ultimate thing to like just like my ultimate distraction is halloween i guess if you want to put it that way because it just i can get into like the, the spooky stuff and you know like just lose myself in that and this this just embodies all of that and it, it was everything i love about horror and old horror comics and a celebration of just all the stuff that I find joy in at that time of year. Um, and I think it does it really, really well. And I, I really, really vibed on this book. Like this book just has me in some kind of like rear naked choke or whatever. <laughs> like when I'm reading it, it's like, <laughs> I, I love, I love this story so much. I love the characters. I, I love the idea behind it. I love the way it works. I love the artwork in it. 
just like the concept of it, it just the concept of it itself this reporter who is like angry and just fed up and then ends up getting a job as a horror host on the local tv station and you know that for her is like bottom of the barrel but for me that's like i'm like looking at this thinking like purely unable to understand why she hates that job so much because it's something i'd love to do so (laughs) it's just it, it and and yeah it just i i just really enjoy that story it's great and and the fact that she's now found like as as the issues have progressed as it as the story has progressed she has found herself in this in this situation where she seems to be following in the footsteps of other monster hunters so like the previous count crowley and the count crowley before him are all mon- were monster hunters and then now she's taken up the mantle of count crowley because the the other one went missing and they needed someone to fill in and she got fired from her job as a news reporter um it seems like she has inadvertently become the new count crowley monster hunter so yeah it's (laughs) it's fun loads and loads of fun is this another one that has you um sort of putting the the, filling in the pieces of the background and uh sort of getting your mind buzzing yeah because i'm I'm like hungering for like i want stories about the other count crowley now i want to know where all this began like you know, how did the Count Crowley before the before the Count Crowley before the Count Crowley? How did that Count Crowley become a monster hunter? You know, <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I'm just like thinking about like how far back does this go? Is it going to do this like weird Marvel thing where we've got Count Crowley stretching back to ancient Egyptian times or what? You know, it's just like that. Like, I think I really like when um, things do that. I always think it's a good example of like effective yeah. like world building but with more show to, uh, not tell so it, it allows the reader to it, it gives the reader just enough yeah. to set that's, set your brain going I'm like what is the yeah, bigger universe that's the what stuff i love like? and, and that's why you know i like having that stuff painted out in front of me and you know that's why mm. i enjoy comics because a lot of comics do that and they do it very well and in you know like traditionally that is what comics are like like traditional Marvel and DC comics are that kind of storytelling where they paint you a universe and they have a whole mythology behind it and everything else. And it's like reading Greek myths and things like that. It's everything fits into everything else. Everything is connected. Everything takes place in the same Petri dish and it's all nice and fun like that. But I, I'd love to see that with the count with I'd love them to build on the Count Crowley thing and just to see more of that kind of stuff because I think that's really interesting to me. That I don't know. It just like for that particular day when I read a Count Crowley comic, like that's how my mind goes and where it, and that's where my mind goes. Um, and we've got uh, I've also got the Batman's Grave, which is there purely because I am a massive, massive Batman fan. As if you listen to this cast, you'll probably know. And because I'm really loving this particular Batman story, um, it's a self-contained Batman story, and I just I just think it's great, and I love it, it's it's more of a um, it, it's, it digs more into the way Batman works, as in the way he works and and does what he does and solves cases, like what Batman actually does when he solves cases and how maybe 
a larger percentage of his time is spent in front of the back computer than out on the streets. That kind of stuff. Like he, he, the detective and mm. a real deep dive into Batman as the detective and another facet of this character that I love so much. Um, and also it has the best version of Alfred, the best version of Alfred. <laughs> I love this Alfred. I love this, this, the snark on this version of Alfred in this comic is just like chef's kiss. It's fantastic. Like, um, so like apart from this yeah. badass Alfred, <laughs> what, um, what would you say is the special source on this Batman comic over other ones that might have come out this year or um, in the most recent year? Watching Batman work, watching him do his thing and getting to see that broken down and, and also getting to see Batman's thought process broken down. Like, because with this one, we're getting a look in, not just a look into the way Batman works, but, with this, what he's doing is he is inhabiting the life of a murder victim, if you like. He sits there in the Batcave and he begins to think like the victim. He gets himself into the victim's mindset. And the way they do this in the pages is beautiful as well, because the world, the background around him slowly changes. Then on the next page, Batman's appearance might change to match the victims. But the speech bubbles are still coming from him. And instead of being stood in the room and watching the victim, all of a sudden Batman is replaced by the victim. And we just see Batman just inhabiting the world of the victim to, to, to understand and work out why this has happened and why this person may have died and what happened to cause this person to die. And just watching his thought process laid out like that, I think makes for a cool few pages in a book. And seeing hmm. them do that with this and, and, and the way this story works is kind of special, I think. And that's what makes this a really good standalone Batman story that will sit on your shelf when it's collected in a trade. Because yeah. See, I think my, my, my version of that comic is clue candlestick for me this year. Cause it's that thing where it's procedural and you're watching this one like really intelligent guy pick his way through like a really complicated murder mystery circumstance. But the thing that I have with clue candlestick is that I kind of just want it for myself. I haven't gone on like to you guys or anybody else to like check this one out. I kind of feel this is a very personal pick um, and I want it kind of just want it for myself. I'm not invested yeah. in anybody else enjoying it. Do you have anything, do you guys have anything on your list that is that thing where you're like, you know what, fuck it, I don't care if anybody else likes this. This is mine and I'm going to hold on to it. I think that's uh, Count Crowley for me. Yeah. Right. Because I, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, that's probably. Because I think, I like, I could give Count Crowley to you guys. You guys would read it and go, this is cheese. Like, what is this? But <laughs> but for me, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's not so like, much I, I don't, because I, I think it's more like if I gave it to you guys, I, I don't think, I don't care that nobody else. I mean, like, I do care that nobody else enjoys it because I need other people to enjoy it. So it keeps getting printed, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I want, um, it's, it's my thing. Count Crowley is my thing. And if you guys don't enjoy it, well, that's fine. Cause I don't expect you to, you know, <laughs> I don't need to be able to talk to you Fair about enough. it and discuss it Leon, so on that level, because I know why I like it and I can mm. talk about it on the cast, but it's not like I need other people to enjoy it, to be able to have conversations with people about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not like a shared thing. But so like Leon, so when it when it comes to when I arrive at the castle, I don't think I even know what this comic is. Have you brought it up in previous episodes? Yes, I yeah. uh brought it up on the episode with Marvin Askew, which you should have listened to because you weren't even on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I... I, I I heard it. I just wasn't oh, listening. That's even worse. <laughs> so what is it? We only spoke about three comics that that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, you figured it out. Um, so what is it that's so personable about this comic to you? Like, what? Why? Why is this your like keep it close pick? Well, I mean, to answer the question, to answer the question, I, I it's I I I really like stuff that has quite. A um an overt and direct theme that it's going for, and because this is a, a book that um the writer and artist are all one person, Emily Carroll, mm. it has a very singular voice, and it's not a long book at all, and there are no perceived rules. It, it it's more a a visual poem in a way, which I, again. Like, like I had, I had X Men on my other list, guys. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not um, some pretentious douchebag. It's just um, uh, some of these things hit a bit different, and to talk about them in greater detail, I have to engage uh, my inner art douchebag. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think what it is, it's I like stuff whether it's like hard sci-fi or whatever that has like all these has this created this whole big universe and has all these uh different like thousand year histories and if the if the characters are cool and the, and the worlds are cool or like i'm in and like pass about the information da, 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 have a mystery blah blah but sometimes i just want like a less than a hundred page book of just cool art especially where the colors are mainly black, white, and red, mm-hmm. and it's it 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 touches on like Faustian, like a deal with the devil type bargains, but also there is a horrible inevitability to the whole book, um, and just going through that and with like the beautiful artwork and the beautiful words and I know that you're. It, it, it's like you're reading a dream and it's a weird sort of magical realist dream. I guess all dreams are to an extent, but it's one where you're getting drawn into the abyss. Um, and yeah, you can say like, okay, one of these people is a vampire and one of these is like a cat woman. Okay. But it's more like flavor onto the, the story that you're, you're getting. And it, I think, as you're pulled in more and more, it's uh, it's a thing that speaks to me being taken on a ride. So, like, say for instance, uh, my favorite movie of 2014 was there, like Under the Skin, um, which is is a, is a movie. Uh, I don't want to ex- explain what it is, but it's got <laughs> ScarJo and uh, going around Scotland, uh, picking up dudes, and and lots of weird stuff happens to it, and like that's a movie where I just don't expect other people to like it because it, it it's asking a lot of the audience, 
especially the audience who are watching some of the other movies that Scarlett Johansson is starring in. It's like it's asking a lot, but mm. I'm something's asking a lot, but being interesting and doing some cool thematic stuff, then I'm easier to be like, oh yeah, I'll take this gamble, I'll take this risk, I'll jump in sight unseen. This is a like a physical book that uh, that I uh, bought off bought off Amazon, and even if I hated it, um, like hated the story, I think I would have enjoyed it just looking through the, the pictures. But because it all worked for me, but it's, it's all quite simple, but saying more than it's actually saying, I, I really gravitate to stuff like that, but I don't expect anyone else to. And I mean, to, to a greater degree, when I like speak about stuff like as a whole on this podcast, this very podcast, it's more for me to like work out my feelings on a particular thing that I've read. And mm-hmm. if it sounds good to people listening, including you two or any guests, that they check it out as well. But <laughs> I would be perfectly happy if everybody hated all my picks all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I'm with you there on like, I think to boil it down, and I hate using this terms uh, a lot, but like this kind of avant-garde maybe... Um, like unconventional presentation storytelling. I think this book, like I'm looking through it now and I do remember uh, checking it out when you talked about it on the podcast, actually. Um, it, this is right up my alley. And I think my pick of um, Clue Candlestick is for very similar reasons, although it kind of meets halfway. I think it's halfway between like a conventional story and an unconventional presentation. Um, and I think to give my like brief blurb and cap it off, for, for you know for my question here was like the thing that this comic does is it gives constant revelations in a comic that goes out of its way to be like chaotically neutral in its presentation um and by which i mean that like the flatness of its art betrays an intricacy in its plotting and like actually the details that are hidden in plain sight and that's one of those reasons where like it just it gelled with me it really resonated with me while I was reading it to the point mm. that I don't know if I could easily recommend it. Cause you have to be in that frame of mind. You have to be, you know, um, open to accepting like this abstracted type of storytelling in what's, you know, normally a quite structured genre type of story. Cause it's a, you know, a parlor murder mystery. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I get, I get where you're coming from when it comes to, um, uh, was it when I arrived at the castle? But I, you have successfully convinced me to check it out. I think based on this conversation more than more than the the one that you had a chat no, with. Askew instead and, of saying uh, boil it down, you could just say to make a reduction. <laughs> if you really wanted to be pretentious <laughs> and chef, make it. Yeah. What's the word? What's the word for like a a, a source that you reduce down? Is there a term for that, or is it just reduction? I think it's called a reduction, right? <laughs> like a jus. Just, you know, oh, no, just say gravy, uh, it's a, it's comic, gravy. a comic jus. The word. Yeah. I was going to use the word jus. Speaking yeah. of gravy, I'm going to talk about something that has absolutely nothing to do with gravy now, and I'm going to mention everything. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy gravy at a shop, a giant supermarket. So yeah, why have I? No, I bet you. I bet you the the everything superstore from this comic would have like fresh gravy, like 
where you squeeze a cow and it just comes out like like what you squeeze a, a gravy found that's the I kind of gravy you'd get any cow gravy you don't want it nobody like wants anything from from just, like put a yorkshire pudding on a stick and just like you know like 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 fondue yeah <laughs> like the chocolate fountains i i don't like the idea of like running liquid that it's going to go into my mouth being exposed to the elements and other people so no i would not drink from the gravy wouldn't fountain. you dip a yorkshire pudding in it <laughs> If if it was a like a hermetically sealed have, like, baby fountain, only for like you'd have a chocolate fountain, you could have like Yorkshire puddings and roast potatoes. And you could just like <laughs> no, I get it, but I was like trying to explain my I was trying to explain my point there. If it was hermetically sealed and only me and my friends and family had access to it, and like everyone used a new fork every time they got a new Yorkshire pudding or sausage or whatever, fine, fine, but like not for the public, not a fucking um, like. The, the supermarket, the, like, the megaplex that you see in Stranger Things Season 3, if that f- giant fountain had gravy in it, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't partake. Imagine turning on your shower in the morning and gravy coming out instead of water. <laughs> what is this northern nightmare that we've into? Greg's new house had a bullion cube in the shower head. Oh, don't. That's <laughs> a wicked prank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry that I said that. Don't you dare do that when you come visit me. No, you're all right. I won't do it. But um, yeah, the water's already hard <laughs> enough in this place. <laughs> doesn't need to be northern hard. Just like chunks of onion oh. just hitting you in the eye. Oh, just, that, is, that the, sounds the right. The tap just scuttles when you run in a bath and a lump of onion falls out, and then gravy just just starts like <laughs> just. Uh. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> We were talking about a comic. So we were talking about the digital nightmare. That is everything. Um, (laughs) You've got me thinking about Yorkshire duckies now. What's a ducky? You know, like a rubber ducky in the bath. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Literally, okay, I got it. I thought it was like, I thought it was code for a type of food that I'm not aware of. It's sex act. You could have rubber ducks made out of Yorkshire pudding. Wonderful. Anyway, um, in your gravy bath. But like, Mm. it would be like, (laughs) like, uh, so everything the comic is, it's like, to, I, actually, I was, I was coming to this because of the avant-garde storytelling thing that you were talking about, because I feel that that kind of falls into mm. this bracket a little bit. I don't know if you agree with me. Am I interpreting your previous conversation correctly? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I think it, similarly to um, Clue Candlestick, it's sort of meeting halfway between avant-garde and traditional. And like we described it kind of in like yeah. the Twin Peaksy sort of vibe. So um, it, it has yeah, this... Continue what I love about this is there's this, this, this underlying mystery throughout something is happening that is making this town behave very weirdly. And it's got something to do with this massive, huge, uh, mall, this new mall, this new shopping center that's been built, um, that everyone is like enthralled by, like absolutely obsessed by people go there every day it's kind of like going to a church to worship for these people at this point in the book. And it's, it's like something about this place is it's almost church-like, like people are going there to find happiness. Like they're going in there and they're like, they're finding happiness and they're finding solace or whatever. And like in, in specific items, it's, it's kind of, I guess in the same way that Twin Peaks is a reduction of, um, like suburbia and the um 
the 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 soap opera like how twin peaks is is kind of like a Mm -hmm. play on the soap opera and suburbia and everything else kind of like a yeah a reduction of that then as you yes um then everything is (laughs) is what twin peaks is to suburbia and um soap operas to consumerism Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it kind of ha- that's the kind of mood I get from it, and what I love about it is the fact that there's this, this underlying mystery that's there for me to try and like solve as I'm reading it, and I'm I'm kind of I'm 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 really into it. I'm really into the weirdness of this comic, like just the overall detached weirdness this book presents and offers me, is the thing that made that that got me to put it on this list. Like, I mean. I can't put Ice Cream Man on this list, but the closest thing to Ice Cream Man I can put on this list is everything. There have been Ice yeah, Cream but Man it, issues it, out there. Yeah. It doesn't count. I don't think... I don't... Yeah. I guess it's crossed over years, so I, I, I wouldn't have felt comfortable yeah. putting it on my list this year. Although, like, since you shout it out, it is definitely one of the best oh, comics yeah, that is sure. still ongoing right now. Massively. Yeah. I and and I think it that, would yeah. win if it was on either of our lists. <laughs> But everything is on there, and <laughs> everything is. It, I love it just as much as Love Ice Cream Man. I, I love it for similar reasons and also very different reasons. Um, because it is as much it is mm-hmm. as it is similar in tone and in the way that it kind of tells the story. It's also very different. Um, yes, it's it's haunting. But I, <laughs> It's yeah. an unnerving book. But it, it, I, I like I, I. That's what I like about it. Like, and I, mm. I like its yeah, comments definitely. on consumerism and everything else. And that's what it. That I, it, it has the same attitude I do. <laughs> if you get me, so yeah, it's my thing. <laughs> um, and uh, also on my list, the last three, um, I have the plot. Which was the the horror book launched by Vault this year? Um, I read the ten page preview of it, and then I read the full book and reviewed it. So you go back to our previous episode, and you can listen to both of those um, both of those reviews. And um, I I just think it's a brilliant example of a horror comic. Again, with all the reverence for the classics, and at the same time being entirely fresh and new. And um, it just has like shades of um, the haunting of Hill House. That was the Netflix show, right? I did get the title correctly. Yeah, has has shades yeah. of yep, that yep. going on with it, which um, always make it, it always makes for like the way that there's a formula for for a really good there's a, there's a there's a proven I can't get my words out there's a proven formula for good ghost stories and I think the plot plays to that and does that very well it takes that formula and it adds its own special little touches to it the same way your grandmother might slightly change and alter a recipe um and make it better that's what the plot does and um it 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 has the kind of same sort of vibe as the haunting of hill house tells the story in a similar way has similar themes with trauma and everything else, but at the end of it is something entirely new and different with the same building blocks. And it's really great. I love it. Um, and I love what it's doing. I love this, this whole like swamp thing that's going on with it. 
like um like like whatever it is is tied to the grounds that the house is built on it's tied to the swamp and the swamp is sentient or the swamp is inhabited by the ghosts um i haven't quite worked out what was going on there yet but three issues in and um it, it has everything you love it really does uh, and there's some really 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 fantastic sequences in it and there's a really fantastic sequence to end i think it's issue three um where they're listening to some uh some audio recordings um that were found in the basement of the house and yeah it is such a fantastic scene i i recommend that you guys catch up and read it because there's only three issues so far mm. and you need to see what goes on here on this I, i'm not going to spoil it but you need to see this last sequence because it's just so such a, a classical set of events that you would see in a horror movie but having it presented on on a, a comic book page brings something else to it and and makes it feel different and mm you see that event you see that happen in a different way and it just hits you in a different way and there's just something altogether more gorgeous about seeing it on the page and do you think that is down to what we've spoke about several times on this podcast before about the sort of time causality of different panels and how it can change um our comprehension but also like yes, yes because it puts scene? you in the way it it puts you in in the moment with them where instead of experiencing something in sequence i mean you are experiencing it in sequence but you can look at the page and you can experience the whole thing at once and um although it is something that does only work in sequence for i guess i guess it is something that is only supposed to work in sequence but like for the fact that you can experience it all at once, it puts you in the moment and it actually gives you the kind of like you, you can, you can feel your test, your chest getting tighter with it and you can feel like the holy fuck kind of thing when it happens. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm always seeking out that kind of experience. It's hard to find. So yeah. Like you've, no, yeah. You've check it out. That, it's great. I think on me. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, there was the plot. There was basket full of heads so another recent comic, uh, which is the um, mm. the Joe Hill comics, yeah, yeah, Hill, Hill House, House comics. Hill. Which, yeah. um, I mean, we've got we've got this, and we've got the the Dollhouse family so far, and um, both of those mm-hmm. have been absolutely class. But Basketful Heads took the spot on my list from the Dollhouse family purely for the fact. Um, that it it just it felt very lock and key in places. Um, and mind you, Dollhouse Family feels very mm. lock and key as well. But this this is like lock and key for different reasons, and it has like this. Um, I think I think it's the 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 kind of like the Norse connection with this, because I want to know more about the axe, the axe that takes heads and keeps them living. <laughs> And uh, again, in this, there's some fantastic sequences and some great kind of like uh, things that you would associate with classic horror movies and classic slasher movies. But again, Mm. seeing them in comic book form just brings something entirely different to it. And um, yeah, I, I fully, I, you know, I love this book and the artwork in it's gorgeous as well. And just the suspense throughout 
especially in issue two. Like issue two is really hardcore for suspense and everything else. And it just really kind of like the beats it hits and the way it goes, it's kind of punch after punch after punch. And it's just, it's just great in that way in how it gets in your head. Um, and yet again, the, the running theme here, something for me to think about, like with the plot, I'm thinking about the swamp with this. I'm thinking about how does that axe work? So, yeah. And then, uh, I've also <laughs> got, um, murder Falcon, which was the last one on my list, which is the one that's kind of, I felt like I was kind of cheating, but not because it ran from 2018 to 2019, but that makes it onto the list because it shares a lot in common with me musically. Um, and this is like the heavy metal connection, me being a thrash metal fan, heavy metal fan. You know, I love hearing guitars, good shredding. I, I love, I love hearing people shred on guitars. Like that's, that's my thing. That's what I wake up to every morning. That's what I, I breathe on the way to work. <laughs> that's what, that's what I breathe on the way home from work. And, um, yeah, it's, it sustains me metal sustains me and 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 having a story about how metal can help <laughs> you and how metal can um because i've experienced in in a way to a lesser extent in this book because the, the 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 events in this book it's not like equating my depression to the depression that's been on on kind of like the depression that I, and and what we are shown in this book is just two entirely different things but like depression is still depression i guess and like seeing like having a story about like how metal can be uplifting and how metal can help you and how metal can bring you out of these dark times and things like that and the power of metal music to to give you strength and to push you through like having a story about that for me was really really nice and heartwarming and like touched touched me right inside my my little chest where my heart is so yeah <laughs> Anything that kind of yeah. pays respect to the things that you love without yeah. being like patronizing, I think are, yes. there's always value to that as well. So uh, that's yeah, my definitely. list. Um, I think, Ray, you've got a couple more to reel off. Uh, okay, yeah, so let me rattle off a few that I've got. Um, so one that I've talked about, I, like I've pontificated enough recently about how much I've enjoyed Resonant, which is the new Vault book or relatively new Vault book by uh, David Andre. Um, Alejandra Aragon, Jason Wordy, and Darren Bennett. Um, I just, I love the color work. I love that it's a post-apocalyptic story that's set in like a verdant future or like or whatever you want to call it, like a verdant post-apocalypse. Um, I really enjoy that, like how, uh, like how varied all the settings are. I really like the characters. I like that it's um, representing like, you know, a, a a large swathe of different types of people with different skin colors and different um, like body types and different abilities and things like that. There's, there's a lot that I just enjoy about the diversity of this comic. Um, and then another one, uh, Paradox Girl, I putting it on my list of favorites of the year. Cause it was just one that when I think about comics that were just joyful, this is the first one that popped into my head. It was one that I picked up just at random. Cause I needed something to read for that week. And it looked like it would be, light vibrant fun and it totally was it was like a flash in the pan for me it was quirky playful uh mind bending but in like a joyfully irreverent way and not like in a too self-satisfied way and it has a really likable confusing cipher of a lead character who's you know completely original although <clears throat> playing off you know uh current superhero tropes and i just 
I really enjoyed how um, chill it was. Although that might be a cheat because I think I read it this year, but I don't. I don't think it came out this year, so I'm going to have to backtrack and double check on that. And then my, if I was going to pick my favorite, I think it would be the Savage Shores, um, which is uh, written by Ramvi, art by Sumit Kumar, uh, colors by. Um, Victoria Astone, I think. Uh, I don't know if I've got his name the right way around. And Letters by Aditya Bidekar. And so this counts because it ended in October of 2019. It was five issues, and you guys all know how much I love like a short run, like an enclosed, finished arc of a story. It's a story about colonialism, monsters, and romance, which are like three of my favorite topics ever. It's got Indian representation. It's got a bittersweet ending. It's got... Uh, beautiful, stippled, vibrant landscapes and like intense and readable action, especially in some of the panel layouts. Like one of the things that it does early on, like I think right in issue one is a really impressive, one of some, one of the best panel constructions I've seen this year. It has some amazing splash pages and like it's romantic in so many readings of that word. Um, if I was going to, in the opposite way of, um, clue candlestick where that's for me and i'm not interested in making everyone go out and check it out these savage shores is the one that i would urge everybody to give a give some time to you know sit down and like just let it wash over you and enjoy something that i think is quite unique um, i'm going to second that because this is something that nearly made it onto my list um and i've I've read this. I read this as well because we were reviewing it at the same time, weren't we, on the show? So yeah, mm-hmm. this is Certainly something I kept up with as well. As well. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. such a beautiful book. Such a beautiful book. So yeah, I, I'm fully behind your what you're and saying about that. It, it's really uh, yeah, and I think the thing that I loved about it was it, it's kind of understated in its in its horror trappings. Um, like it doesn't offer that up straight away, but you should know that it's essentially like a horror slash um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like ancient, ancient sort of horror, but like viewed from an Indian perspective, Mytholo- which I horror, really enjoy. Horror mythology, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Mythology is the word I was looking for. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, for that's sure. the aspect of it that really caught me. Mm. Mm. And like, I think it's it's a good. Uh, like overlap in our yeah. Venn diagrams, I think it's yes. it's, it's a unique pick. Um, and I think Leon, what's left on your list? Okay, so we've spoken about uh, when I arrived at the castle, and if you want to hear in more detail, uh, listen to episode sixty-nine, where I like fully dig in to Emily Carroll's book. Uh, Next on my list was Crowded, um, which, listen to the previous episode <laughs> we've just done, episode 77, where me and Rahul dig in to the first volume, um, and that's Christopher Sabella, Rose Stone, um, Ted Brandt, Joanna Farrell, Cardinal Ray on Image. Um, I'll just say, what works, what really works with that book is that it is that whole thing of like ten sec- ten minutes into the future, but it, um, but instead of just exploring that on like a uh, sort of science fiction vector, it, it experiences an it it 
looks at the experience of what it would be like on a social vector as well. What is mm. the the natural progression of like yeah. late stage capitalism um, and the gig economy and a world where um, anonymous um, gripes can be weaponized into. Uh, I loved like, I loved you to your two's discussion of this book, by the way, in the previous episode, and I especially loved Ray's mathematical breakdown of of how the uh, <laughs> the assassination was funded. And um, I think what you're saying works for you in this book with it being the 10 minutes into the future thing and a comment on all of that um, is the same thing that... They, they managed to... Basically, it's something that should make me feel uncomfortable and normally makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable. But... Um, at the same time, they've done it in such a way in this book that even I can enjoy it <laughs> because it's like it's done <laughs> in in a way that it's it's the ten minutes into the future thing, and it's there to make you feel uncomfortable because you're almost living that life already. But at the same time, it's done in such a way that it's almost parodial. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's it on my list. It would be the pick to describe. Um, things that speak to current anxieties, I think. Um, but it does it in a way that's so, like, fun <laughs> in a very, that's a very basic word to use to describe that book. But, like, it's, yeah, current anxieties, but, like, injecting a sense of, like, um, energy and fun into it. In, and so it, it's not just feeding you the the harshest, most depressing uh, viewpoint on the things that are happening our, you know, 10 minutes right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, go on. I was going to say, because um, in a similar vein to uh, Number One of a Bullet, which we spoke about last year, I believe, mm, it's yeah. a similar type of topic, a, a similar type of uh, sort of time period, like Black Mirror-ish, like what's just over the horizon. Mm. Um, and that had like a funky, like sort of kick to it. But I think this one just has that oomph. It has a lot of fun energy, as you're saying, fun. It has a lot of energy behind it which it makes um, the more paranoia elements of it yeah. and the, the 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 more big data aspects of it more of the like milieu of the universe you're in rather it being like now this is uh, in, at the end of the day the cell phone was the bad guy which is <laughs> never really the thing but it's what um, things like Black Mirror always get accused of but what this is it's um, this cool jaunt with these two mismatched uh, odd couple characters having to traverse this really uh, awkward and uh, holistic uh, odyssey uh, trying to survive in in this you world know, I, where this tech I've just makes made all a connection of this stuff possible between crowded and die hard 4 <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Why would you, why would you invoke Die Hard Four? Crowded is Die Hard Four, but good. I was gonna, I was gonna say like the thing that Crowded does is it injects. You could say that it's like injecting chunks of fun onion into the gravy fountain <laughs> of tech paranoia. That's how oh, I describe no. it. Like you can't, ju- you imagine, can't just have the gravy. You of, can't just imagine have having it. a bowl of fun like some... cereal and then just pouring gravy. Over. That sounds fun to me. <laughs> that's that's crowded. That's how that that's crowded. 
I don't sanction you guys. What is wrong them. with me? <laughs> Why am I on this gravy kick today? Because it's so close to Christmas, you're just salivating at that turkey. <laughs> gravy on the brain. <laughs> you guys put this in my head, <laughs> all right? Gravy on brains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and no, that is crowded. Yeah, crowded's fantastic. It's got nothing to do, nothing to do with gravy, by Put the way. Put that on nothing. the cover of volume two. <laughs> None of these have anything to do with gravy. Um, no, unfortunately. But I don't know. Maybe we're setting a trend for next year. But uh, a, a place that's probably not good to get gravy, I don't know why, is uh, LA. And it's also a tough <laughs> place to work in animation as Natalie Nuragat uh, displays to us very visually and eloquently in her book, I Moved to Los Angeles to Work in Animation, which uh, which is a, a boombox book. And this is on my list. In It's weird, because I, I, I try to get my hands on more, say, non-fiction stuff, especially in the comic book space. And every year the items go by... I look at that category and I'm like, why Why am I not reading more of this? Why, I, I barely ever see this stuff on the shelf. Um, and one week while I was looking for like 2019 books, uh, I think I think we were like in the middle of the year. Um, yeah, it was about July or late June. And I was looking for some like, what, what have been the good sort of like just contained 2019 books so far? Mm. And I came across this book and it, it's pretty much an autobiographical uh like in instructional telling of like what it takes to like what uh Nirogat's journey has been in, from going from a cartoonist into joining the uh, animation industry and all the different things that she had to consider uh and all the the weird and say, harsh challenges that, that come with trying to get into an industry that is highly sought after, that even if you've got all the talent uh, and the drive, there are so many forces, capitalism being one, that will just be in your way before you can um, get your dream job. And then even once you get the dream job, it's not a dream. That There, there are so many mm. just harsh elements, even when you're doing your like perfect job. And obviously, it's uh, an autobiography uh, that is done in comic book form. And the way how it's presented isn't just a case of like, okay, here's here's some words and here's the pictures I've drawn for them. But I do feel that it effectively uses the form to make that the whole thing not just more digestible, but she's able to play with visuals and display display things in a in a manner that that I think just reading it off the page um, is not the same and mm-hmm. it, it, it manages to be like an enjoyable read but it's one that makes you just think a lot about like the creative industries and just all the the various obstacles that people, even even self admitted people who have more privilege than other people, like the uphill they have to crawl to get in, and it makes you wonder, like, 
what it's like on a whole. And it's it, it looks very good. Uh, I especially loved like the the coloring in this book as well. And it, it was one that I know it stuck with me for uh, for the rest of the year. And obviously, it's it's a complete graphic novel uh, in vertical commas that it's one that I find easy to recommend. And I think it's just interesting to get that insight because it's a book that will age like next year or like the year after, like she names Mm. specific companies. Like it's very of the minute, like of now. And I I quite love that. It's not super generalized in that way. And that it is very specific. Um, And I think it being so specific helps it like read to someone like me who uh, is nowhere near any of that. And uh, has like a passing interest into how all of that works. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it I, it's one of those things where I think that it's in the best medium that it could have been in. And I really like when, say, I'm watching an animation or reading a comic or playing a game, and all of when I'm engaging with that like media, and I feel that oh, this is the only, you couldn't have done this as a movie or like a uh, 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 like a normal book like this is the best way that this idea could have been expressed and mm. I feel that um, I moved to Los Angeles to work in animation is in its perfect form. I get the sense that this is the kind of um, like not not story but like because it's autobiographical it's the kind of uh, thing that you would normally find in a like a Twitter thread for example like yeah. if I was seeking out this kind of story this kind of experience this you know, the, the the trials and hardships of getting into this industry is the thing I would find in Twitter. But it's what I what appeals to me is exactly what you said, the idea that it's telling this very personalized um, sequence of events through its best medium and using it to its strengths to tell something autobiographical. And like it, I, I while you were explaining all that, I was thinking of like uh, blog posts or, you know, um, Tumblr. Yeah, Tumblr or like even magazine articles, like those long form, long form articles, which explain how somebody went through a thing. Mm. And like, yeah, I like the idea of somebody taking that concept and putting it in comic form and using using the strengths of that medium, Mm. this medium. Sounds great. I'm going to pick that up. Definitely. Um, And then next on my list is uh, a book that I spoke about during the same episode, episode 66. Um, which is the graphic novel Waves by uh, Ingrid Schaber and Carol Morell. And this is a Boom Studios book. And this is um, not an escapism book. I'll, I'll say that right <laughs> now. Like, uh, it's not really a spoiler to say that this is this is also another... It's It's not autobiographical, but the writer's own experiences are presented like in in the book and they were the jumping point jumping off point of why uh she decided to write this and it's basically about a couple specifically a a woman who uh has a miscarriage uh like late in a later term pregnancy and it's about the fallout from from that on like every plane like emotional relation 
ship uh, wise and just life wise in general. And I know you're thinking straight up like, wow, what a bummer book. And it is, but it's not just a documentary. It It's a very like metaphorical book that takes flights of fancy because what it is really is someone internally trying to deal with everything and look dealing with a world that now the colors are slightly different for them now mm-hmm. uh and it, it's it's one of those things again I was saying about my whole list in general where like this is one where it's like voices in this case two voices that are working in harmony to tell this direct story and like despite the subject matter being like super brutal it is in ways quite an uplifting story and it's another one of those examples of something that i know it, it you you look at the world a bit differently like i've n- obviously never been personally in this situation but i like i know people who have and it's refreshing to see like a story like this told in the way that it's told in this book and just how the writing and the art like inform each other to like such a delicate balance such a a delicate dance um it's it's very it's, it's a word that i use a lot on this podcast but it, it this is like super capitally evocative and uh like romantic in in a way like not not capital r mm. that um i know it's it's an it's an experience to to read like it's a, it's a thing that you often say rahul like sometimes you like to pour over images and have them wash over you and in this one, that this book is kind of written in that way, in some ways, because at times it's not heavy on dialogue, and it, it a lot of the weight of the storytelling happens in the images, and mm. you can just sort of uh, dissolve into the the book's LCL fluid and just become one mm. with it, and then emerge on the other side. And um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, it's a book that I found at the same time that I was looking. Um, I found I moved to Los Angeles to work in animation, and um, yeah, they both hit me of a one-two, but in very different ways. They were doing they were doing different things to comics I'd been reading th- this year up at that time, and they were like, for lack of a better word, refreshing. And they're like books that have stuck with me, um, like for the rest of the year. Uh, and yeah, despite the brutal subject matter, I would would recommend um, would recommend it. I have a confession to make about this book in that I actually I do own it, and I've been afraid to start reading it actually because I feel like it's going to hit a little too close to home for circumstances that I've been through in my life. And mm. what I'm afraid of is that I'm going to learn something about how to be empathetic towards somebody in this situation that I didn't have the experience or empathy for historically. 
Um, and I kind of wish I could go back to that time and understand better. I feel like if I'd have, you know, it seems like the kind of book that would have been perfect for me at that time. And it's, I feel like it's going to break me if I read this. I mean, it's going to, whenever I get around to it, I feel like that's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I would uh, not twist your arm to read it, but I think if you read it, definitely have a really, like comforting yeah. chaser uh, <laughs> afterwards, mm. something like a comfort blanket thing that is just gonna. It's one of those things where if I read it, I'd have to go mm. straight on to watch something light and enter like like really light and really entertaining afterwards, like a cartoon or something, mm. just to kind of like because from the sounds of it, it's not the kind of thing that I mean, it's like. I guess, I mean, I do own books that are like this in tone, I guess. I mean, Mouse is is, is that kind of story mm. where it's based on truth and it's it's horrible. But at the same time, these stories need to be told, right? Yeah, and... Like a thing that I often come back to if I um, end up in a situation where I like recommend like this type of thing is that it's hard to talk about it without being honest about what it does, but also accurately conveying like what I think its output really is on it on someone, but that varies from person to person. So mm-hmm. like uh, I would never like twist someone's arm to put themselves through a ringer but at the same time i don't think the book is like the ringer that it probably sounds like in the vague ways that i ha- had to speak about it on this this episode and the uh the previous episode um but at the same time everyone's path is sort of different and it's really hard to say like oh no this it isn't this type of thing that will depress you uh, it's this other thing which you particularly aren't depressed by, whereas like that can just veer left and right for for anyone. But at the same time, like the person who went through the thing as is, is, is came back to this thing and wrote this book, hmm. uh, which sort of hints to like where I think you'll be in a space of when you finish it, rather than what you'd probably expect going in with the synopsis that. Um, that is provided so it's, it's a tough one and uh, I, I don't think there's like I don't think you have to engage uh, with stuff which is like like if if for you reading a particular thing is not just like escapism but it's like um, an enjoyable thing to do like it's your hour that you've carved out of the day younger me would have been like oh stop being a worse and like uh you got engaged with the tough stuff whatever Mm -hmm. and i just think that is nonsense like uh i think you you engage Mm -hmm. with what you need but like it's it's a hard one because i think there's times where you need to sort of there's things where i've deliberately not shown them or recommended them to friends and then, like a year or two later, that person mentioned, "Oh, I saw blah blah blah." And it's like, "Oh, you watched 
X or you read X. And it's like, yes, I loved it, blah, blah. Like it, it helps me uh, like think about this particular situation in a different way. I was like, man, I should have just recommended it. But I deliberately didn't because I was I didn't, like, because I didn't want to bum you out. So it, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah, it. yeah. But like, yeah. It's, it's hard to know because some things, like I think in, in my, uh, in my position or in my experience, um, I actually, in a way, seek out art that includes stuff that to a degree will be traumatic for me. But I think that I get catharsis through seeing uh, similar situations or like thematic trauma like played out in a way. Mm. Whereas like that is definitely not the case for everyone and i and i know yeah. that um and that's that's what makes it tough because it is sad that some art for that reason like people who would really like it or might even need it won't get it because it's just like i don't have like there's only so many hours in the day why am i gonna and that's, waste one that's hour like to the, the, myself? the mm. thing that i've been pulling away from more and more in my consumption of comics and other art is purely because like i just i just want to pull away from feeling bad so i will not read things that make me feel bad is the simplest way to put it mm. <laughs> you know mm. so that's that's me with my escapism and distractions but yeah um i mean i i one day i'm gonna get around to reading it have to be in a good headspace first before i read something like that i think um the same as when i read mouse really i I had to be in a good headspace before i could read that without it having a lasting effect on me but and also i think there's not enough said about uh just pulling the ripcord sometimes yeah jumping out of the plane like i i think that the curiosity for everything it is worth it because there yeah. are the mm. things that are going to sound interesting or enticing. And I think that just because like, there's no shame in like, and, nah, yeah. I gave it a go. And, and I also, nah, it's just not for me. Sorry. I also I find with stories like this, I have to do them in one sitting. So I can't put it down, like yeah. read, read a few pages, put it down and then come back to it. I have to finish it there and then, because if I start reading a story that is, making me feel that way i need to get to the end of it because if i put it down i won't pick it back up because of the the uncomfortableness of it but yeah Hmm. that's that's how i do it anyway i have to do it in one sitting um but yeah hmm. that uh so that was my fourth one so (laughs) yep uh dive in at your own peril uh and then my my fifth book um is bottom feeders and that is by Ezra Clayton Daniels and Ben Passmore. And that came out Fantagraphics. So I spoke about this book not that long ago in terms of episodes. And this was the book about uh, a couple of characters in this horrible old building in what's a neighborhood that's referred to as the Bottom Yards. Um, and the whole sort of thematic premise of this is basically gentrification is awful uh and uh all the other connecting tissue that connects it 
to like everything else, uh, previous mentioned late stage capitalism and all that. It's awful. Um, but what if that awful was actually manifest? Uh, and that's what this this book is. And this is a book that I was speaking about where it's a widescreen book. It's um, it's in landscape instead of uh, like, sorry, yeah, it's in landscape. It's a horizontal book instead of being like vertical portrait. And it doesn't feel like this weird gimmick that it's like that. Um, it actually really benefits how you read it. Um, the way the it's like super cool, like colorful art style is done where it's like often three or four toned uh, in different spaces. And it really helps give you this like concrete idea of like the geography, at least on like an emotional level, the geography of this big high rise um, and spooky building that uh, these characters are inhabiting. And again, it's, it's a thing where, so on, on this podcast, like we are like want to go into like the the thematics of stuff like that. But what I always fear um after the fact, even though I do it every episode, is um that by diving into sort of the thematic stuff, some sometimes it might um distract from the actual form in some ways and that's the, the thing at the end of the day. Um, I'm not getting stuff. It's like, oh, this is a message book. Da, 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 da. I got this because I love uh, Ben Passmore's previous stuff and I've heard good things about uh, Daniel's work and the book looked cool. Like this is uh, the last, um, actually every book on my list apart from Crowded, which I got on Comixology, I all got physical off Amazon. Uh, and you guys know me, like I'm Mr. Digital. I've been saying I miss the digital, but I bought these books physical, and I didn't regret it on 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 each one. Like it it was uh, it was, uh, for all these books, the tactile nature of the book and how the art is presented and all that is like made the um, the reading process more enjoyable, and especially in the case of uh, bottom feeders and. Like, this is a book that I would just say buy blind and jump in because it's really quirky. It has this, like, sort of the the beast beneath it all type thing. It, it has really quirky and odd characters doing really quirky and odd odd things. And you're in this, in this building and, like, just layer upon layer of secrets start to arise. And you're just in this... Uh, th- this whole this whole world of uh, just strange oddities um, that build and build and build until it uh, gets to what it's doing at the end, and um, like it, it's just a fun book to read, but it's also touching on uh, a lot of uh, like themes and, and topics and just feelings um, about what it's like to sort of be priced out and pushed out of, of your your neighborhood and uh to have like uh, like landlords who are like predatory uh, and all that and say struggling just to to make it through and like identity crises of like um 
putting up a front and saying like you're better than other people, but then ignoring the the very flaws or um, contradictory natures of your personality. Being a millennial, um, and then <laughs> yeah, being a millennial, it is yeah. yeah, just like fucking up. Like that yeah. is a big a big part of the book. And it's funny now, actually looking back at my list, uh, every one of every one of these books is centered on a female protagonist. And I don't know what what rhyme or reason uh, got me to that place, but I, I think that 2019 is was a good time for a lot of these uh, stories coming out, and because a lot of them are like written uh, by women and like the art done by women, and in a, in a lot of cases are like that near singular voice uh you i think the stories are quite authentic and like real feeling and for like me who's been like a comic book fan for like decades uh there there was uh, times where if you asked me to name uh female uh authors or artists it i i would have got to like the big names, but then I would have like been been pausing for a blank. So I, I think it it shows like a strength of like the medium that uh, we're getting a lot of unedited like mm. stories yeah. that are, are tackling things in ways that were in the past handled pretty badly by the largely male. Uh, from editor down um, hierarchy. So for, for whatever that means, it, it's uh, yeah, it's reflected in sure. my list. So that is it, that is everyone's lists concluded. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So I I think it's time that we chose dun, the dun. East Comicals comic of 2019. How are we going to do this? <laughs> we can't really have a voting. I think at best you can pick like yeah. your favorite from your list and then push them together because these lists aren't ranked, which is how you'd make that process yeah. even easier. And then there's not much overlap uh, between these lists, which would make that process even more easier. So there's two levels where we've made it harder. So at the very least, you'd be able to pick. So like, this is so difficult. This is why I didn't rank them because I was trying not to do this. <laughs> But now I've got to pick a favourite from my list. So my top comic of 2019 from my list. Your number one of a bullet. This is really difficult. This is so difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I'm going to say everything. I'm going to go with everything. So your whole list? No, no, no. The comic everything. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is my favourite comic of this year. Off my list. Ralph said uh, D. Savage Shores. Yeah. I did say D. Savage Shores, yeah. And mine is Bottom Feeder. So, we were going <laughs> to... <laughs> I was going to try and get you all to whittle it down to one, but my plan has just completely fallen by the wayside and been eaten by rabid badgers or something, because, like... First of all, I said five I, comics in terms of I don't of think we seven. need to feel beholden. And now, 
now I wanted us to be able to come to the conclusion of one comic that would define 2019 for Ace Comicals, and we've not been able to do that. But at least we've got one each that defines all of our taste, which I think is the moral of the story because we're all so different. And we all enjoy different stories. So I guess we couldn't ever agree on what would be the one comic that defined 2019 for Ace Comicals because of our diverging tastes. So there you have it. That's the three comics that define 2019 for Ace Comicals. So that was everything. Um, that was mine. Uh, Ray, you had these Savage Shores. And Leon, you picked Bottom Feeders, was it? Yes. yes. Bottom Feeders. Mm. So there we go um that has been ace comicals for 2019 because this was our final show and um there's gonna be no pull list at the end of this one uh instead what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna tell you to all have a merry christmas um please enjoy christmas and new year um enjoy it with family um look after yourself over this time um it's basically Christmas already. It's that time of year when we, you know, exchange gifts and gather together to celebrate Christmas. Lest we forget the true meaning of Christmas, which is a, which is that Christmas is a celebration of the heroic acts of a New York cop in an L.A. skyscraper full of hostages and German bad guys. <laughs> so there we go. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, that says Comicals over and out for 2019. You can join us again in 2020 when we're back in January um and uh, you can find us at www.acecomicals.com where you can find all the different ways that you can listen to us you can find us on apple podcast castbox castro overcast pocketcast spotify stitcher and tune in um you can find us on facebook under ace comicals you can find us on twitter at ace comicals we are on instagram under ace comicals you can find me on twitter under at bato that's b-a-t-t-o-u you can interact with us in a multitude of ways you can send us an email to acecomicals at gmail.com or you can get to us through one of our various social media channels where you can join the conversation chime in with your thoughts on some of the comics we may have discussed give us some suggestions on things you'd like us to read or discuss uh ray where can we find you on Twitter, that's at Monke, which is M-O-O-N-K-E-H. And I just want to say uh, to everybody, have a Merry Christmas, look after yourself and others. And Leon, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Leon Everett. And I will also add that reach out to somebody. So even if you don't have family or friends who are close, like reach out to somebody and... Uh, like don't don't isolate yourself even though the season can be crappy like mm. take take what take what you need from it and you don't necessarily have to enjoy yourself but don't uh don't find that you need to exactly. isolate yourself look after yourselves self care is important especially at this time of year so merry christmas and a happy new year from ace comicals that is ace comicals over and out